Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three stakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ryan Tannehill, quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, and I represent the Finsider with the PH. Spoken like a man about to become very, very rich. Welcome to another edition of Finsider Radio. My name is Keith. I'll be your host for the next 90 minutes or so. We're on the air until 10.30 Eastern. Believe me when I say uh, we're going to have plenty of time to discuss or plenty to discuss in that time frame. And Dominic can sue, free agency, the situation with Jared Odrick, are we bringing him back, are we letting him walk, the upcoming draft, how all of this plays into that. We're going to talk about it all. Uh, as always, I'm joined by my fellow analyst, uh, and if I might add a real Southern gentleman, Mr. Duke. Howdy, my friend. Uh, hello. Yeah, we were talking about this earlier, uh, talking about your your Southern drawl and everything. I realize that you're like the Glenn Campbell of the Finsider. <laughs> I'm the rhinestone cowboy of the Finsider. <laughs> I, that, I wouldn't have it any other way. I love it. <laughs> I feel like the odd man out in, in the in this group. I'm also pleased to announce the return of my producer, good friend, and fellow music enthusiast, James. Hello, sir. It's been so long since Hello. you last graced us with your presence. I, I know. Work, uh, work keeps getting in the way. I have to ask, though, what what happened two weeks ago? Did you beat up a cop? No, no, no. I'll I'll tell you the story off the air. (laughs) I didn't get into, like, a physical confrontation. More of a a verbal confrontation. Oh, that is so awesome. All right. Good. Yeah, not only are are we into the Dolphins on this show, we're also lawless. I love it. We got to change the name from Finsider Radio to Lawless Finsiders, Lawless Dolphins. All right. Uh, at some point tonight, uh, Duke and I are going to do a mock draft of the first 14 selections in the 2015 draft. 14 because the Dolphins hold the 14th pick, and well, I just think that uh, 
normally I hate mock drafts, but I find that the live ones can be a lot of fun. NFL Radio does them all the time. <clears throat> and I like to steal from them as often as possible. So, yeah, now this is happening. And then uh, last but not least, we want to hear from you guys during tonight's program. Our phone lines are open, so give us a call anytime tonight, and we'll talk about whatever's on your mind. The number to our studio is 347-326-9461. James will take your call and get you on the air, and the rest is up to you. Uh, before we begin tonight, I have something fun to announce. I received some elite-level hate mail yesterday afternoon. Uh, and oddly enough, it was because I made a joke about Joe Philbin on Twitter. Normally, it's you'd be making jokes about other people, or players or everything, and somebody will get upset. And usually I don't get any blowback when it comes to Joe Philbin because I find that most people are okay with 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 us tearing on him. But I put up a I put up a still. Do you remember that uh, song uh, Barbie Girl by Aqua? <laughs> yeah. And uh, remember that like creepy bald guy in the video? I don't remember the video. I just remember that. The He's song. the one that. Yeah, come on, Barbie. He's the one talking through the whole thing. He's got he's just like a like a dirty old man. And uh I put up a video and I said or I put up a still and said that at one before Joe Philbin was uh crapping the bed in the fourth quarter and uh mishandling his starting quarterback, he was a video star. And then I put that still up and I was like, Ah, that's funny. I was doing it as I was leaving work. And I the some of the direct messages uh, I received like people who who followed me and I followed them back. I got some messages and people were like, that wasn't very nice. I was like, I don't even know if you were alive when that song came out. <laughs> who, who are you to challenge me on this? So I don't, I don't know if people just, if they uh, misunderstood the the reference, they didn't realize what it was from or, and I mean, I checked on it. That guy's still alive. So it's not like he had some, 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 te- some terrible, outcome some terrible he didn't suffer some terrible fate that was lost on me when I made the joke so lighten up I don't get it <clears throat> alright so um, we can get the discussion rolling because I'm getting tired of listening to myself talk uh, it's Indomitian Sioux mania right now it is everywhere on Twitter and it's it's not just on Twitter too like I these other sites I'll, I'll frequent every so often. Pro Football Talk has a bunch of has numerous stories about it. Um, a lot of the football sites I like to visit, everyone's about it right now. And maybe it's just because I'm jaded. Uh, whenever there's this much talk about a guy and how the Dolphins are supposedly a front runner, I just think that it's likely a leverage situation because everyone knows that Stephen Ross is going to throw ungodly money at them to do something like to come down to Miami. And so I just, I just don't want to get my hopes up, but I'm also not a fan of how much this is going to cost. Anyway, if Sue does come to Miami, it, you know, it, if I might say the remote possibility that he ends up with the Dolphins, that's going to cost a mint, a mint. So I'd like to know your guys thoughts on this because this is a, this is the topic among Dolphins fans right now. Well, I, I was thinking about it a little earlier today, and I, I understand the move, and, and I'm I'm not opposed to it. I mean, I know it's going to cost a lot of money and stuff, and it, it's going to cost some cap havoc, but, I, you know, it's not like other positions. All right? And one that I was thinking about, I, I read an article by Bill Barnwell uh, talking about the uh, LaShawn McCoy 
Kiko Alonso trade. And he was talking about how in 2013, um, McCoy had this great year, and it coincided with a really good year from the Philadelphia offensive line. 2014 wasn't as good, and their offensive line wasn't as good. So I'm thinking, you know, somebody out there is going to pay a lot of money to DeMarco Murray, but what if they don't have the same line that the Dallas Cowboys have? You know, and and you pay a big money receiver like Mike Wallace, and he's dependent on, you know, a quarterback getting him the ball. So depending on where you fall on that side of the the debate, the, you know, the the truth is Tannehill just hasn't been getting him the ball the way Mike Wallace has been paying him to get the ball, regardless of whose fault that is. But a player like Ndamukong Sue, he's not dependent on any of that. He's going to do what he does regardless if he lines up in a 3-4, 4-3, 3-tech, 1-tech, 2-tech, 8-tech. You just name a tech and he's going to play and dominate at it. So I kind of like that. I mean, he's a guy that you're probably going to pay a lot of money for, but he's going to be worth it. And, you know, a lot of people mentioned the Albert Hainsworth deal, but Albert Hainsworth got a big deal as a free agent, but Ndamukong Sue had a big deal already. He's already made a pile of money from his rookie deal. So it's not like the guy, you know, was working on these new these new rookie contracts and then took his you'll take his money and sit down. I mean the guy's been making money and dominating, so you know, if if they can make the cat stuff work, you know, you line him up next to Cam Wake and Earl Mitchell or whoever else you want to throw on that line and just you know, sit back and enjoy it. The 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 Hainsworth thing is interesting because Hainsworth was was miscast in the three four. So when he went to Washington, I was I was amused by the fact that I mean that guy in Tennessee was a premier four three defensive tackle. And as you mentioned, Sue's the kind of guy where I if I'm not mistaken, he played in the three four at Nebraska. So he I mean he's played I do remember watching watching some stuff about him, I think prior to the Dolphins game. And they line him up in a, in a three-four set up there. I mean, he'll play defense in the end. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you line him up anywhere on the line. Now, I think he, Pro Football Focus said he played exclusively on the left side in Detroit. I don't know if he would do that in Miami, but you think about a left side. It's you're playing the Patriots. It's third and eight, and you know they're going to pass. And you've got Indominus Sue and Cam Wake on the same side. Oh, let's just throw Deion Jordan as a strong side linebacker coming off the edge. I mean, I mean, who who pees in the pants first? Well, you mean Deion Jordan as a defensive end? Just I, no, I'm not talking about have, have, having him lined up, like you know, overload that overload that side. Or, that know, just, just just get creative. But just, seriously, I mean, you you you've got all of these you've got all of these. Uh, you can do all these different things, and you've got this. Suddenly, you've got this great defensive line with some elite players on it. You know, and you're thinking, who do I try to block here? I mean, if you look at just who would be on who would be on the roster right now with adding Sue, the weakest link's Earl Mitchell, and you would be putting him, who is he's an athletic three tech kind of guy, who's a gap penetrator and supposed to be creating havoc in the backfield. Well, now he's getting single blocks by somebody because somebody's having to block Vernon, Sue, and then Wake. And if you, if you throw in a blitzer off the edge or whatever, I mean, it's... I mean, you know, we we give Kevin Coyle a lot of flack for not using guys right, but, I mean, with a guy like Sue on the line, it's almost... It would be very difficult for him to mess it up. 
I'll put it that way. No, the, I said the defensive end thing is a joke. Jordan belongs at linebacker, and I hope this this uh, this team figures that out sooner than later. Uh, as for Sue and the three four, the reason he's able to to effectively play, suppose if you put him at the five technique, is because he's got the ability to routinely take on and defeat multiple blockers. I mean, usually when you put a guy at the at the five technique, when you got a guy playing defensive end. Uh, in the 3-4, oftentimes you hear those guys referred to as glorified blocking dummies. And Sue ups the ante in that regard, and not only is he getting blocked by multiple guys, he's he's tearing through those blocks, which brings us to our next point, and that not only is that guy someone who's going to routinely take on double teams, but his uh, um, his skill set and uh, his, his, uh, his job status with with Detroit, it's very clear. They want him to, to split those double teams and to main quarterbacks. And uh, he does a swell job of uh, of both. He's real good against the run, too, it, because he's obviously to, uh, obviously able to routinely disrupt the backfield. So, I mean, there's just very little. The, the only real downside to having him in Miami is the money. And some people would say, well, no, the downside is also – that he's looked at as a loose cannon on the field. And, I mean, I can't argue with some of that. He's done some incredibly shady things on the field. But I also come back to the the coaches he had in Detroit. He had some guys who were uh, really into playing with an edge. I mean, that's usually the term you hear about some of these coaches, like the Jim Schwartz guys. They play on the edge. You know, I mean, they do just enough within the within the rules and some of it kind of blurs the lines and some of it you look at and, you're, and you think well that's just dirty because sue wasn't like that at nebraska i remember watching sue play in the uh the 2009 uh, big 12 championship against texas and nebraska literally had no one on defense for the most part uh, at that point they had guys who were undeveloped at that point but they had sue playing uh i think he uh, I know he was doing most of his, his work as a five technique, but he almost won that game for Nebraska, who didn't have much offense either. He took on Texas practically by himself and almost won. And I remember watching that and thinking, this guy is unbelievable. So he, but the point I was originally making is he, he didn't play with that kind of edge when he was at Nebraska. I mean, he was he was violent at the point of con contact but he wasn't ever a guy where after the after the whistle he was he was getting away with stuff that was just plain dirty like he didn't see a lot of that so i think that if he comes down to an environment like miami maybe you see some of that edge go away and he gets back to just playing football instead of all the post whistle stuff that is isn't going to help us it's only going to hurt us and, and i want to add a comment to that i've, I've seen a lot of, uh, i've seen a lot of comments on the site about they don't know how a guy like Joe Field and, and Sue would mesh together. And I made a comment today on the side. I was like, it really, it really doesn't matter because if you bring in Sue, he's going to be here for uh, – he's definitely going to be here in 2016, and James responded to it, that he's definitely going to be here in 2017 as well. So if you bring in Sue, he's here for three years. Joe Field may not be here for three years. So if they don't mesh this year – and say Miami goes eight and eight or whatever again. Joe Philbin's out, and Dominic and Sue is still here. 
if they mesh well and Miami makes the playoffs, again, who cares? So, you know, I'm, I'm wor- less worried about that, you know, I, that they're not going to get together. It's not like Joe Fieldman says, I don't like this guy on my team. Let's go ahead and cut him because you're going to, you know, lose. You couldn't do that calf-wise. And the, and the same thing is, if, if, you know, Miami doesn't win, then Joe Fieldman's out and you get a new coach, and I'm sure they'll mesh. So, you know, whatever. It, it's not a big deal. So I, I think he'll be fine. Um I think that situation will be fine. And, you know, the more I thought about it, at first I, I didn't think it was a, that big of a deal, uh, that suit coming down, because I didn't think it was something that was even feasible. Um, I thought, well, he's staying in Detroit. A lot of stuff that I was reading said, oh, he's going to be in Detroit. It's, it's close to a done deal, and heck, it may still be. But And then suddenly uh, it's like this guy is really up for grabs, and he is probably – one of the better free agents to come around, you know, not counting Peyton Manning because he was like he was real, he was older when he came out, you know, it wasn't like a twenty eight year old Peyton Manning in his prime. So you've got you've got uh, a really elite defensive player in his prime, and now he's available, and he can really change the face of your defense, possibly even tilt the balance of power in your division. Um, you know, you have to go for it. I mean, and I think the good thing is, from what I'm seeing on Twitter, that there's a lot of Dolphins fans kind of preparing themselves for, you know, we're getting used as leverage here. He's not really coming, so just calm down kind of stuff. You know, so maybe we'll be pleasantly surprised by that. But I like the idea. I mean, you get in here, it's going to cost a lot of money, but they got specialists that will make that stuff work. Let them, let them work it out. And then, uh, you know, enjoy watching him. Destroy running backs, quarterbacks, and enjoy a lot of three and outs while Tannehill gets back on the field. So, no, I I agree. And um, to t- to base our free agent targets based based on uh, guys Joe Philbin's looking for would be a huge mistake, in my opinion. Just like you said, because I mean, Sue will be here long after Joe Philbin, especially if things keep going the way that they had the past few seasons where it's close but no cigar. So uh, what do you think, James? Sue, have you taken him? I think, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd at least uh, look at him. And, and everybody's, I think the uh, the cost is maybe overblown a little bit because, you know, these giant contracts that you see, every one of them, when you actually look at the language, they turn out to be, you know, not six years for $110 million, but more like four years for 55 or you know, um, you might take, you know, Sue, for example, you might say, tell him, tell him you're going to get $60 million of it, you know, in uh, guarantees, but some of it's like a maybe 15 of that's a, a you know, fifth-year, fourth-year um, guaranteed uh, roster bonus or something along those lines where if you get to that point and you want to keep them, you just redo the deal, give them that as a signing bonus and spread it out. So it's not – it's the the contract's not as uh, overwhelming as people think. And as far as getting along with Philbin, Philbin got along fine with the incognito, and he was he was much more of a bigger bastard than Sue ever was. So uh, I think I think Philbin's biggest issue is people to question him in the media. That that's the kind of thing that pisses Philbin off and gets you shipped out of town. Oh yeah, I don't know that Sue's oh. ever done that. So, well, what we're seeing now. 
is that the Coulter reportedly, I mean, take take all this with a grain of salt, but the Coulter apparently in the driver's seat in terms of Dominic and Sue. And then I saw another another report saying that he he wants to up Detroit's offer, which is which is why you're seeing a lot of the this uh, rumor mill uh, visits, just the the whole line of of reports coming out right now is all by design to get, I guess you'd say maximum dollars out of Detroit. I mean, I don't know. The same stuff went on two years ago with Mike Wallace. I remember we were rumored to be the the front runner. And then the weekend before, before free agency, the Pats were supposedly the big guys after him and they were going to make him a huge offer. And then by about Monday night, there's a feeling that Mike Wallace is indeed going to sign with us. So, I mean, you, you'll see this take on several forms over the next few days, and that's fine. It would be great. Well, I'd love to, they, they I'd love to get if he's looking If he's looking for max dollars and all things are, are equal, I mean, if I really just look at it, giving him six years, 100, six years, 105, whatever, you know, some, they're all going to be within, I would imagine all his offers are going to be within $10, $10 million of each other. He's gonna. Why would you not take the Miami offer? It's gonna be worth a lot more money. Yeah. You, well, you you'd you'd think so because I mean we got a lot of young guys on defense. Uh, got a nice young offense coming along, and it's gonna to continue to get better. And you'd like to think that Dennis Hickey isn't Jeff Ireland when it comes to selling a lot of these guys. And I know that Ireland uh, sort of unfairly had a, a stereotype going where nobody wanted to sign with Miami because of him. I don't know how much of that was true. I know he was grading on some people. I don't think it was a, it was a complete deal breaker for all parties involved, but it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. I mean, if this is all, all just speculation and he's actually going back to Detroit, if he wants to play somewhere else, because yeah, you I mean, you bring it up. If you're making that kind of money, I saw some number today saying that uh, he'd have to make considerably more elsewhere to equate what he's going to get with uh with lack of state income tax in Florida, that's exactly I mean, what I meant by him. By his his, if if all if all dollars were equal, the, the contracts worth more money because of the lack of of a uh, state income tax. Well, it, it just, it, just it is re- what I'm, it is. Then I'm just repeating your uh, your genius <laughs> point, but that's that's exactly it. I mean, he's going to make a a lot of money here, and you'd like to think that this is a team that is going to become a perennial playoff contender and, and more so. I mean, for the, for the longest time, the, the knock on these guys were that, or the knock on them was that they didn't have a quarterback. Right. And that, I mean, well, aside from those who want to trade Ryan Tannehill and pursue Nick Foles, which I've seen a lot of that recently. And I, and I don't get that, but as long as you're not in, in that camp, um, yeah. I, I think that this is uh, this could be a good thing, and I mean selfishly, it would it would mean that we don't have to target a, uh, a defensive tackle at, at number fourteen if we don't want to. I mean, if we like the guys who are there, then fine. But you don't have to feel pushed into that. What do you think, Duke? Oh yeah, I mean, adding I mean adding really any top tier defensive tackle, free agents are going to free up your draft, but. Um, adding Indominus Sue, I mean, just changes a lot of stuff. I mean, 
I mean, you know, a lot of talk has been about, well, Miami needs to upgrade the inside linebacker or middle linebacker position. You know, with a guy like Sue in there who, who's doing a lot of damage, you know, maybe a guy like Misi can still play that and um, can still handle that position because he's going to get a little freer now. He's going to be a little less trash to sift through. Um, or, you know, maybe they still want to do that, but maybe it's less of a priority now because they've shored up the front a little bit more. Um you know, there's a there's a lot of stuff that, that you can do with that. So, I mean, if you get if you bring him in, number one, it is going to limit the rest of what you do in free agency. Obviously, you're not going to go out and uh, the Dolphins are apparently linked to every free agent possible. Um, anybody that gets cut, the Dolphins are linked to them just because that's that's how it seems. But, I mean, you're talking about you get Sue. And you pick up some filler guys. You're not getting probably another starter, which I'm fine with on defense. I mean, I I'm still in the Jamar Taylor camp. I think he's going to be a good player, and I think they they should let him start. They should have let him let him start last season. Um, you know, the inside linebacker position needs some work. Uh, I was really concerned reading that they they uh, were looking at the inside linebacker and were wanting to move Misi back to strong side linebacker, and I'm like. You have Deion Jordan. Why won't you put him there? What is wrong with you? Um, and that just that was disheartening. But you know, maybe I don't, I don't know what they would do with me seeing in the end that Sue's here because he may be a, a salary cap casualty in order to bring him in. But um, yeah, I mean, he just he just makes a lot of what you do, you know, a lot easier. You don't have to be so specific. You don't have to be so. Uh, you know, that, that's that's one of the points I like about free agency is, you know, you don't really want to build through free agency. And I think the Dolphins team, uh, largely in part to some of the moves that Jeff Island has made uh, or some draft picks. I mean, you look at the 2012 draft. I mean, it's possible, depending on how they look at Richard Matthews, that he got four starters out of that draft, a quarterback, a running back, a defensive end, and a wide receiver. I mean, that's just – that's unreal. Um you got the, the previous draft, you had Pouncey and Play, and they're wanting to bring back uh, Jimmy Wilson. Um, 2013 draft's not as great, but you got Deion Sims, who they're high on. you got Jelani Jenkins, who's a starter. So, I mean, you've got some pieces to work around. You bring in a guy like Sue, and suddenly you can go into this draft and say, you know what, I'm going to draft seven wide receivers this draft, and I don't even care because I have a Dominican Sue now. And, you know, he's, he, he is a transcendent-type player, you know, the kind that's going to, you know, like I said, change the face of your defense. He's going to make a lot of other stuff easier. So, you know, a lot of some of the issues that they had last year, some of those close games where they couldn't get stopped. Uh, you know, Miami was, in my opinion, Miami was two plays away from being a playoff team. They were ten and six last year with two defensive stops. Uh, yeah. I was on the internet. I was on the internet the other night. I watched. Uh, I, I watched that Denver game. I mean. Brian Tannehill shredded that Denver defense. You have Sue that defensive line. Miami goes into Denver and beats Denver. Um, they they stop they stop the Packers. They they probably stop the Lions. You know, just had a couple of stops there. Suddenly Miami's a playoff team. Sue's a guy that can make that. Now are they a Super Bowl team or a Super Bowl contending team? Maybe not, but they're getting close. And a guy like Sue definitely puts you in a driver's seat. You get a good draft. And suddenly you're cooking with gas. I agree, and everyone looks good playing next to that guy. Like you said, transcendent is a great way of putting it. 
your front your front seven would just roar to life with him in there. And if they can figure out how to use DeAndre properly, I mean you're you're just talking about uh getting attacks from from all angles. So uh to really weigh on on this, let's go to the phone, South Florida and uh our old friend Lewis, uh and Dominic and Sue, yay or nay. Uh, I'm a big yay on this, but whether or not he actually going to come, that's still debatable to me. Where do you th- where do you think he'd go if he doesn't? So, so hypothetically, let's say that you're in Dominican Sioux and you're weighing your options. What is it in Miami? Objectively, what does Miami present to you? Indianapolis, Detroit, Oakland can't give you, besides the obvious lack of state income tax. Well, let's see. Detroit has the a really good defensive line like Miami would have. There's also, but they don't have the uh, marketability that Miami does. In fact, of all the teams that have a good chance of actually bringing him in, the only team besides Miami that might be worth it in market would be the Dallas Cowboys. And I highly doubt that they're going to be able to find the money to bring in Indomitian Sioux when they don't even have the money to bring in their own guys. They were forced to franchise Des Bryant, and they're going to have to let DeMarco Murray go. So, honestly, that's out. So, the only thing to me that's keeping uh, Indomitian Sioux from signing with Miami at this point would be if he decides that he wants to play with Andrew Luck, which I don't see that happening because – there's a lot. There's, they may have a better quarterback, but there's some stuff missing on their defense besides what um, their the defensive line. They have a lot of stuff missing there. And the only other the only other thing that could possibly keep Sue out of Miami at this point would be the fact that Oakland can pretty much just pay him more money than he could ever imagine having in a lifetime. That's the only thing that's getting worried. I was I had a brief moment of uh, crisis when the Patriots released Vince Wilfork, and I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, they're going to go after Indomitian Sioux. And I had, a little, I had a little crisis moment then because just imagining Sioux on that defensive line with what they already had, that might as well be a lock for the next Super Bowl all over again. But I was quickly uh, forced out of that. They don't have the money for that, and they're not going to pay that much for Sioux. So you, all the signs point to him being a Miami Dolphin, but – I've been burned too many times, man. It hurts too much. The sore, the wounds are sore. It, 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 it's hard to recover. Well, the thing to keep in mind is that we've got new players in town in terms of Hickey. Uh, you'd like to think that, that Tannebaum hopefully helps the cause and doesn't hurt it. I mean, I'm, oh, I, don't absolutely. Know, I, I don't know enough to say either way just because I haven't dealt with him directly. And, I, and the only things I've ever heard about him uh, came from the Jets camp, which, I mean, I, I couldn't care less what they think. So, I mean, you hope that he he gives you a push in terms of selling these free agents. And Duke made a great point that and we're not looking to build a team out of these free agents. If But if you get in Tompkins, Sue, I mean, that's an absolute game changer for everyone involved. I mean, suddenly, Deion, I mean, there's less pressure on Deion Jordan. There's less pressure on, on Cameron Wake. Uh, there's certainly less pressure on uh, the linebackers playing behind him. So, I mean, it's just, it's this domino effect in a positive sense that just benefits everyone across the board on defense. And I think that that it's worth the money, it's worth the gamble, and it's worth the interest right now. And as to 
whether or not it pays off, I mean, your guess is as good as mine. But I would love that. And a good point there, Keith. Sorry to interrupt, but a good point there is, like you said, he makes makes the jobs around him easier, which we've already got some playmakers on defense. I mean, you've got a, a guy that's developing the one in Jelani Jenkins. He's got a, a, a very good safety in Rashad Jones. You've got Brent Grimes back there. You've already got Cam Wake, who's absolutely going to benefit. So, I mean, you've already got some playmakers that he's just making even better. You know, whereas, you know, like I said, like Lewis was saying, if you go to Indy, they've got some players, but they don't really have the elite players on defense or as good players on defense as Miami has. So, Sue can go there and still be the man, but they're still going to lack some stuff. Will he make them better? Sure. Just like he would make the guys in Miami better, except they're already better. So, you know. Well, is Robert Mathis still in Indy? Is it still in Indy? Yes. He was, okay, so yeah, they do have one really good pass rusher. Yeah, that the only thing that I would worry about with him as far as – and I, I like him as a pass rusher. It's, just, it's the age thing. So, you know, yeah, he's coming off an injury too, so – or some yeah. kind of something or other. I just think that I mean they've got some they've got some good players on defense in in Indianapolis, but I just think that the overall situation, uh, outside of the fact that Andrew Luck just got them to the AFC Championship game, although I I would almost suggest that they had a second round bye thanks to Denver completely no showing that put game. an asterisk put an asterisk next to those playoff appearances. Where are they playing and who are they playing against? Give me a break. Well, it was yeah. I mean you can't ask for a better road then Andy Dalton in the first round, and then, I mean, this is, sorry to any Bengals fans who might be listening. And I'm just and talking then, about getting to the playoffs again. Yeah, they play in a, it, oh, man, if the Dolphins play the Nats in that division, yeah. They, Danny Hill will be a perennial playoff man. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to take away too much from them because they do some really good things. I think that the luck T.Y. Hilton connection was really impressive this year. Uh, also give them the props for the fact that after making that boneheaded trade for Trent Richardson, <laughs> they've they've managed to succeed in spite of their running game. They just have like this really uh, almost pedestrian committee. And these guys that are just, I mean, they they wouldn't be any more than an afterthought on both teams. So I mean, I give it, I give them props. I really don't like the Colts. In fact, I, I despite that despise that team. And I live next to, to that state, so I'm close enough to have a decent feed on Colts fans. And I mean, just consider me not a a huge a huge fan of the lot. But one, I just, one I, thing one thing to add as far as what Lewis was talking about with marketing, Miami is a bigger market, obviously, than Indianapolis. But absolutely. if he goes to the Colts, if he goes to the Colts, he's arguably not even the best defender in that division. So he's going to be you know, that might make for a rivalry, but he's marketing himself against J.J. Watt in that division as opposed to coming to Miami, and there's really not anybody in the AFC AFC East that would really rival him for marketing. With well, you still maybe. got Brady, and you always have to look out for the quarterbacks. Well, yeah, as, far, yeah, as far as the quarterbacks, but they're always going to have the edge over the defender anyway in terms of marketing, I mean, just, just by the position. But, I mean, I'm talking about in terms of defenders, there's really not any – any defenders in the AFC East, except maybe Revis, that would have the same high profile as as Sue. So I mean, he can market himself in Miami, and you know he he could be presented as the best defender in the division or whatever. 
as opposed to going to Indianapolis and he's going to be going, you know, marketing wise, going to be going up against a guy like JJ Watt. So, you know, I mean, if, if he goes to that, if he goes there and JJ Watt keeps playing like he does and Sue doesn't perform up to that, then there's going to be comparisons. Where if he comes to Miami, nobody's going to compare him to anybody except maybe some of those guys on the Buffalo defensive line. Now, how great, though, would it be to bring Indomitian Sue to, to Miami officially and then be able to see the look on Tom Brady's face, mm-hmm. knowing that knowing that you get to see this guy twice a season for the rest of your career? Because I remember, and this story always kind of made me sad, when uh, Bill Parcells traded away uh, Jason Taylor and uh, the Patriots, offensive line and Tom Brady cracked open beers in the locker room to celebrate. That story has made me really sad because you don't want to ever give away a, a a major headache, a major nightmare for opposing quarterback. You don't want to ever make it easier on them. And I feel like we did with that move. So it would be great to just, I mean, I, there, I mean, Matt, Matt Castle, I don't know if he's, they consider him a starter in Buffalo. We'll get to that deal in a second. Oh, he's going to be the starter in Buffalo. He'll be the starter in Buffalo. He's not going to do so great, but he'll be the starter in Buffalo. I, I, I have to say that Buffalo's moves earlier this week uh, puzzled me. And I, I mean, granted, I like to beat up on the Bills anyway, but some of the stuff they did, I, when that, that Philadelphia trade came in and they traded for LaShawn McCoy, I just remember thinking, who, who authorized that? Because, I mean, it looks it can look good now for the next couple of years, perhaps, if you have McCoy in there, even though it sounds like he's already not not into the idea of playing in, in upstate New York. But I always come back to whenever two teams make a deal and one team trades a defensive, well, I mean, in this case, a potentially defensive stud, for a running back, I feel like 10 times out of 10, the team that is getting the running back loses that deal. And this isn't really a fair comparison, but I'll use it anyway. Uh, several years back when Washington and Denver made a deal and Washington sent Champ Bailey to Denver for Clinton Portis, and that was awful. I remember thinking at the time, Clinton Portis is a really good player, but you just gave away a shutdown corner for him. What are you doing? Yeah, and I, what I don't understand about the Bills and this this trade is, number one, uh, Rex Ryan's a defensive guy. I mean, he, he pretty much didn't even really care that much about the offensive side of New York. And you're giving away a really good defensive linebacker that that could, you know. With a three-down three linebacker. Yeah, that I mean, can, some of the schemes and stuff that he could do, he just gave away that guy. And I would understand if the Bills made this trade and they thought, you know, we're we're close to being a Super Bowl team. We can get there. But they've not been, you know, their playoff, recent playoff history is slightly worse than the Dolphins. It's not like, you know, they're, you know, they, I don't think this move puts them over the top and makes them contenders now to, to win a Super Bowl. So, you know, what exactly are, are you thinking in doing that? The other part of that is, this draft is heavily loaded with running backs. I mean, you can probably find a guy on day three. Will he be as good as LaShawn McCoy? Not necessarily, but, I mean, you can win with a good back that you find in this draft. Why trade away that 
a good defender, a young defender, a cheap defender for a guy who may not be as effective behind a, a worse offensive line, especially since you've got a quarterback that nobody's going to trust. Now everybody's going to load, you know, load the box and dare you to throw. Yeah, you'd have Sammy Watkins out there, but I mean, you saw what you had with Kyle Orton, and I would argue that Kyle Orton is better than Matt Castle. I mean, I, I, I just don't think McCoy is going to change, change, you know, the destiny of that team as much as, as the people behind that trade think it is. Well, maybe the discussion though. Uh, well, actually, I'll let you. I'll let you finish your thought on it, and we'll we'll kind of switch this over to uh, more defensive tackle talk. Okay. Well, I mean, Duke said it. The the whole idea of Rex Ryan is that he wants to do ground and pound. Granted, Lashawn McCoy is not the top choice for something like that since he's more of a finesse running back. But nevertheless, he's also a defensive guru, and perhaps there's some somebody in the draft that. Wrestle uh, than Kiko Alonso, and if he doesn't have any use for Alonso for whatever stupid reason, then maybe what he's really wanting is maybe he wants to draft a Bernardrick McKinney or Denzel Perryman or someone like that in the first round. If that really is what he's doing, then sure, why not? See what you can get for Kiko Alonso. If you really don't think he can stay healthy or for whatever reason you decided you didn't want him, then why not try to get something for him instead of nothing? Well, the humor in that is I don't think Buffalo has a first round pick. I think that's why Cleveland picks right before us. So I think I, well, so I mean we can all we can all have a healthy gut laugh uh, <laughs> about that because I mean that's why they have Sammy Watkins for for partying with that. So, um, yeah. Well, I mean like it, it'll work out for them in that regard. The the problem is now they've got this explosive wide receiver and they've got like you said a, a, an impressive proven finesse back. And I mean you, you now are hoping that. Matt Castle can get him the ball early and often. So I don't know. Someone like, not... For someone like Watkins, I would have thought a gunslinger like Moore would have been better. But is that is that Castle's play style? I mean, I don't. I honestly don't even remember when Castle played. He played for one year when Brady was hurt, and that was about it. That's all I remember. Yeah, he last he last played for the Chefs uh, as a like a full season starter, and I don't think he did that well there. Um, no, I know he didn't do well. I just figured out his play I mean, style. So I mean, it's, I mean, if 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 I'm Miami, Sue or no Sue, you go into that matchup and you think, all right, here's what we're going to do: we're putting eight in the box. We're going to keep we're going to keep a, a a safety over uh, to Sammy Watkins' side, and we're just going to dare Matt Castle to beat us. I mean, that's the plan for everybody, probably. Um, Miami goes and has somebody like like Sue. You know, I mean. I, I don't know how the Sue is going to be a lot harder to stop that kind of running game. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know how you, how they would offensively game plan around that. I mean, just I don't know, just keep running the ball, I guess, until and you know, hope something good happens. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I just if they had a quarterback, it would be a different story. Had they waited, had they even got one of the free agents? I mean, if they'd gone out and say got Jake Locker, I'd be like, oh, that's a dangerous team now. I mean, they they got a guy with some potential. They've shown some stuff. It's Matt Castle. I mean, yeah, like you said, even if they've got Matt Moore, I'd be like, well, they've got Matt Moore. We know what he can do, what he's capable of. They're, they might be a little dangerous team now. I, I'm not worried with Matt Castle. Now, granted, I say that, I and mean, we'll probably lose to them both times next year because that's just what happens. But, <laughs> you know, I, I, I really don't see that 
McCoy and Castle are like, oh, this is an 8-18. Eight eight we are now an 11-5 team that's going to make a Super Bowl run. I just don't see it. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the one thing that, that Duke mentioned early on, and I think it bears repeating, is the, the prospect that Buffalo just parted with. And actually, not prospect, a, a young player, because he wasn't able to do his second year uh, due to uh, the pre or the offseason ACL injury he suffered. But, I mean, Kiko Alonso is a, a three down linebacker, and those guys don't grow on trees. So, I think it's, his first month in the, in the league, he had four picks, I think. Yeah, um, I mean, he, he does everything. Like I, mean, so, so, I mean, you've already got the defensive line in place. You've got a good front seven. And that's got some good linebackers up there anyway. But you add that guy in there, and you just got a different dynamic. And suddenly Rex Ryan's got this great defense. And he could have got, you know, he could have used that second round pick and, and picked up a running back or whatever else. You know, or, heck, I mean, he could have got, for the same price tag that he's paying with Sean McCoy, he could have got, DeMarco Murray for on the free agent market. So, or somebody the thing like with that. DeMarco, yeah, but you're saying that, but on the free agent market, there's a chance that he may not get his guy. For trading for LaShawn McCoy, he basically guaranteed that McCoy was going to be on the team. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's true, but for the money that they're going to pay over the next like three or four years to McCoy, if they offered that same deal to DeMarco Murray, he would be in Buffalo simply because no other team would offer Murray that kind of money. Or or at least some other back. I mean, that might be his guy, but I, I, I don't know. I just don't see that that move makes a great deal of sense. I mean, I understand the Castle move simply because you don't really have a, a quarterback. Maybe you could have found somebody else, but, you know, it's an attempt. But I, if they had given away a pick for McCoy or something like that, but giving away Alonzo, being a defensive guru that Rex Ryan is, giving away a stud linebacker to get a – a position that's not only expensive, or you're paying for expensively, but you could probably get a much cheaper option in the draft that would still be effective for you. I don't know. Just it just. Hey, what do we care? It gets, it gets Kiko Alonso out of the division, so I oh, guess yeah. we should probably be, we should probably be thinking Buffalo. Actually, I don't even know why we're while we're why we're uh, debating uh, this part of it. It's uh, because we're football analysts and we like to talk about this. Analysts. Yeah, uh, so one thing I want to transition to real quick, and then, uh, Lewis, we're going to let you go for the uh, the last third of the show, but something I want to get your thoughts on, uh, and I have a pretty good idea where, where what you're going to say based on the Dominic and Stu discussion, but what happens to Jared Odrick? It's not, it's not entirely impossible that Odrick could come back after all. And even with, even if we do sign in Dominican Sue, it really is not impossible to bring Jared Odrick back. Um, I don't know exactly the cap numbers about it, but the way that Odrick has been tweeting lately, sitting with Zonka, doing all these things with Tannenbaum and having a good time, and all of this is in the midst of, of trying to convince Sue to come into Miami. So if that were the case, and we can say goodbye to Randy Stark, who dropped off way more than Audric did, and we can say goodbye to Earl Mitchell, who is who really wouldn't he would really just give us more cap space, and I don't think there's any dead money whatsoever to speak of with Earl Mitchell. So if that is the case, and we can get Sue and we can get Audric back, plus we still have our young guys, Anthony Johnson, AJ Francis, and all those guys, 
then quite honestly, I don't see a defensive line in football that's better than what we would have. It's not impossible that Audrey can come back, and I'm actually hoping that Audrey does. It's, it would take some doing, but it is not impossible by any means, and I think Audrey has more of a shot of coming back still than we do of landing in Dominican Sioux, and I only say that because I still have a hard time believing it because of the whole we're the Miami Dolphins aspect. Okay, you're jaded. I don't blame you. Most people are. I'd like to see Audric back. I mean, I know that some people don't feel that way, and they think that we can we can upgrade, but I think that... that those, are the, those are the box score watchers. Audric does a lot more than we give him credit for. I would agree. I feel like that dance does or is a, or really does a disservice to Audric's time in Miami. I think that he's been incredible considering where he was drafted, considering the fact that no one even understood why we were taking him in 2010 when they thought we were going to target Dan Williams and go after a, a nose tackle prospect. And instead we drafted Audric out of Penn state and it confused people at first, but I mean, he's been great at the position. I mean, he's uh he's a, a team guy too. His, his attitude and his personality, I think are almost unusual for a professional athlete. Unusual is the right word. Audric is a little, uh, I don't know what the word is. He's he's odd. Odd Audric. I like it though. So I mean I, I don't want to see him go. So it's gonna it's gonna be painful if that if that's what, what comes to fruition in a few days. So what do you think, dude? What what would you do with Audric? I mean if you got a chance to if you got a, I think they should should have resigned him anyway. Um before the Sioux stuff. I mean, he, he he's a guy you drafted. He's a versatile player. He's played just about every position you've asked him to play. Um, he, didn't, he didn't do as well as a 4-3 end because that's not really his specialty, but you can line him up just about anywhere on the defensive line and he can have some success. Uh, he may not necessarily get the numbers, but he's constantly generating pressure. He's very athletic for a guy his size. You add... And Dominican Sue into that mix, along with Jared Audric. I mean, just you know, what do you do? I mean, who do you block? Who do you focus on? What do you do? I mean, you add two top tier. You add a, a transcendent defensive tackle. Put a really good defensive tackle on Audric next to him. Oh, and you got a couple of good defensive ends. You know, like I said, what do you do? I mean, just it's it, it, you know. And then you've got some reserves off the bench. Let's say they're able to keep Earl Mitchell. Let's just say they're able to pull that off as well. Just, you know, just... I, I'm I really, just saying if Audric and Sue come together. He, he's probably not, but... I mean, even with, with Earl Mitchell, in that in that event, I mean, you've got some really good players all along that line that are just, you know, you just cannot focus on one guy. I mean, Cameron Wake is not going to be double-teamed anymore. They're not going to be chipping, you know, tight ends or whatever on them because they can't because now they've got these other guys that they have to worry about. I think the guy who benefits the most from all that, honestly, is Olivier Vernon because, you know, he he kind of had a down year compared to where he was his his sophomore year. He he had double-digit sacks and all that stuff. And he kind of slowed down a little bit last year. But here's the guy that's kind of a forgotten man. I mean, Dolphins fans are like, yeah, this guy's a starter. He's he's a pretty good player, but he's the guy that people are like, ah, let's let's take care of Wake and, and these other guys. 
now he's pretty much you can just pretty much with Audric in there. He he Vernon's gonna be one one against your left tackle. Just write that down. You're not gonna see him get double teamed ever. Because if you do, then you're gonna get crushed up the middle or from the left side. So I would expect Vernon to win a lot more of those battles and uh just the thought of the types of stunts that they could do with with those four defensive linemen are just it's it's something you see on, on, on Madden. It doesn't exist in real life. And if the Dolphins can pull that off, just just stand up, start a slow clap, and enjoy it. Well, it's, it's been real. possible. It can be done. It, yeah, I mean, I would love it. Uh, we appreciate you coming on the show and giving us your valuable insight as usual. And we hope to speak to you again next Thursday. I'll be here. All right, great. Have a good night. All right. You too. Okay, see you. Bye. Duke, are you ready to do some drafting? Sure. Of course you are. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and uh, amend the rules a little bit. At first, I was gonna have us both pick, but I think I'm just gonna go ahead and uh, have us do every other the, like like in the good old days, back when we used to to do these things, and I think we were more interested in them than we are now. But so this is almost like getting the band back together in a way. So, and then, James, you can audit these picks if you want. So, just because I, I'm an incredibly generous person, I'm going to give you the even picks so you can make the Dolphins selection number 14. The only thing Fair I enough. advise is don't screw it up. So, uh, I'm going to start, and I'm going to take the low-hanging fruit, and I'm going to give Tampa Bay its Jameson Winston, James Winston. So uh, I will let you go from there. And actually, let's stop for a second before we go to Tennessee. What is the percent likelihood Tampa Bay indeed goes with Winston? 70%. I like it. I was going to say 60-some percent. I don't think it's the lock that people are putting it out to be. I know that he he tested well at the combine, especially in, in the uh, the classroom. His interviews, I, I I, you see the, the term off the chart a little too often these days. I know a lot of people were fond of his, his football IQ. Uh, the off-field stuff, for some reason, uh, doesn't seem to be mentioned as much now, which I think is a problem because that was what was really dictating his draft stack all through the year. Now all of a sudden he has an impressive combine and it's not a big deal anymore. That's an issue for me because I ultimately – the stuff that you see at the combine in terms of how he tests with his arm, his mechanics, uh, his ability to put the ball downfield, and his build, his, his overall size, all of that's going to be all for naught if the off-the-field stuff isn't taken care of and isn't tidy and in line. So the fact that people all of a sudden are overlooking this really bothers me because that stuff needs to be considered. Even if you want to go ahead and put a, put the whole allegation issue, if you want to set that aside, the fact that he didn't have the self-awareness to mind himself in public and not say something incredibly offensive like he did out in public in front of everyone, the fact that he would go out there and say something like that in a situation like that is troublesome to me. So that's just some food for thought. I, he is no doubt that he's an outstanding player, an outstanding talent with a lot of potential. 
But if you think that all that stuff in Florida State's just going to go away after you give them a bunch of money, it's not going to be a big deal. Well, you've got perhaps another thing coming. So that's all I'm going to say on that. I'm going to say that Tampa Bay rolls the dice on, though. I think that they're looking for the franchise guy. He's a franchise quarterback. Okay, so with the second pick, I'm going to say Tennessee takes Nick Beasley. Really? And I'll tell you why I go. I'll tell you why I say that. I don't. I, I don't know that they would be as high on Marcus Marietta as some others are. Um, I think they would still like to try to develop Zach Mettenberger a little bit. And um, I do believe they run a 3-4. Um, some stuff I've read about Leonard Williams says, you know, some stuff I've read today, and that, some other things I've read say, you know, people are talking about him as like a surefire prospect, but he's not exactly as great as you think he is. And I think Vic Beasley's combine numbers just put him over the top. He's going to be an edge rushing linebacker. He's got the skills. Um, I think they would. I think they would fall in love with with that kind of stuff, and they would take him a second. Kind of a surprise pick. Don't know that he's a top ten kind of guy, but I think he's got the prototypical three four outside linebacker size, and they would like that. And the funny thing about Beasley is that even though his stock is growing and he's getting a lot more attention, in my opinion, it's still not enough. Because like you said, that, that guy is just an absolute freak. He went to the combine and just blew everyone away. I so mean, I, 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 watched, I watched him run his 40, and, like, I thought, I sat there listening and thought, you know, somebody just went back in the background before he ran and took out a hammer and chisel and just chiseled him out of granite. I mean, the dude looked like had like negative percent body fat. The dude just ripped up, goes out and runs like a four or five something, puts up these ridiculous numbers, and they showed some game tape. And I'm not really watching any tape of pass rushers because I didn't think that's something the Dolphins would even look for, but um, they had interest in him. But Or they, I think they talked to him at the combine. But, I mean, heck, they talked to Gerald McCoy back in 2010, and we knew that wasn't happening. So I don't know. Just something tells me that the Titans, that's the move the Titans would make. Um, there's a couple of other guys that I thought about in there, but I know they would they would need an edge rusher, and I think he's the guy that they would. I don't know. I just think they would bet for him. Well, before I make my next pick, let's go to the phone and see what's going on there. Hello, caller. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, what's that this is, uh, nothing much. Um, I know we're talking about Sue and. Uh, Shelton and all them, but um, I'm just wondering, would you guys be upset if we went and got Sue and then picked Shelton up in round one? Or I, I um, I I can't speak for Duke, but I have to say that a situation like that would just be unreal. If you if you're talking about putting Sue and Danny Shelton together, oh man. Because, I mean, the thing is, both those guys, I mean, one of the biggest reasons Shelton's getting so much attention pre-draft is the fact that, I mean, he just, he can shed double teams no problem. I mean, you watch a lot of what he did at Washington. He is nearly impossible to block one-on-one. And when you get two guys on him, he can split those guys. So now you're talking about two guys playing next to each other who can, who command four blocks themselves. 
I mean, that's – and if you're talking about bringing along a guy like Deion Jordan or really uh, maximizing uh, Cameron Wake's twilight years, really just giving Olivier Vernon carte blanche to tear quarterbacks apart, that's a good way to do it. Especially since, I mean, New England has that pretty much seven men on the line set that they love to use, or they love to use it last year because of personnel or whatever. But um, I'm just thinking, you know, if we go with that and possibly pick up a, what's his name? Not McKinney, not... um, not to do it from Miami, but that other linebacker everybody's been mocking us to pick up in the first. Kendrick? Kendrick? Yeah, if he falls into the second and we pick him up, um, would you guys call this a successful draft? I would think my question would be if if the Dolphins picked up Shelton and Kendricks, the question would be would Kendricks be the first NFL player to reach quadruple digit tackles in a season um, because that would be very possible. Um, and seriously, I could see him being a 200 tackle guy. Uh, Kendricks is a tackling machine anyway. You, you put him behind a couple of guys that pretty much just block out the sun in terms of, of eating up blocks and that guy's just going to tackle whoever. Um, if he gets a chance to, I mean, if, if they're not stopped in the backfield anyway, and that's just Man, that's too much of a dream. Don't get our hopes up. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're going to... Uh, go ahead. If that's who you take in this two rounds, who do you pick in the third? I get this question a lot. A lot of people want to know what the Dolphins are going to do at the end of day three. And the the cop-out answer I, I've I've given is I have no idea right now just because I won't know until I see that. I feel like that first pick is really going to tell us what, how day two is going to go. If they take their wide receiver at number 14, I feel like you can almost book defensive players, and then if they want to get aggressive, maybe, maybe, a running back sometime on day two, depending on who's available. If they, if they find the right sledgehammer. Uh, but there's there's a couple of scenarios, and I just can't pin it down at this point. And suppose that they go with your your suggestion, they take Shelton um, at that spot. Then I say that you're looking at uh, a pass catcher somewhere in that in that third round, and perhaps the second round, depending on who's available. Sounds feasible. Yeah, we are. Um, we're going to go ahead and finish up this mock, but uh, it's been a while since we heard from you, so, which is why I didn't yeah. recognize the number at first. You're going to have to call in more often. It's good to hear from you. Uh, yeah, I missed the last two weeks. Um, That's I okay, so did James. Florida. <laughs> I moved back to Florida, so it's been kind of hectic. All right. Well, I'm glad you're, you're back in, in the state, and uh, we'll uh, hopefully hear from you sooner than later. Give us a call next week, too. I will. All right, buddy. Take care. You too. All right. Bye. I so so enjoy our little talks with him. Oh, yeah. I've been wondering where he was. 
yeah, I, I'm glad that glad that you showed up. I was also wondering that recently. Uh, all right, so I was gonna say that because you took Beasley, I have no choice but to take Leonard Williams. I don't, I just don't think Jacksonville is gonna pass up on that. I could be wrong, but I think he fits what they do well too. And I mean, you can make the case that Comfort County is the best football player in this draft. I understand that Jacksonville's really uh, got multiple issues across the board. So in a scenario like that, I think you just take the best guy. And if you're getting that best guy in the draft at at third overall, you're living you're living right. So, all right, I want what I want you to do now is pretend that you have a Dutch boy haircut. <laughs> And you, uh, you're you're in the front office with the the Oakland Raiders, and you're pretty much looming. You're lurking right now over Reggie McKenzie. What are you going to do it for? Well, hang on a minute. I'm on the phones. Oh, okay. So I just made a deal. I have traded the number four overall pick to the Dolphins for Mike Wallace in the 14th pick, and the Dolphins are going to select. Can I do that? Am I allowed to do that? Uh yeah, well I'll allow it. That's fine. <laughs> no, but in seriousness, they're going they're going to take Kevin White. Just I'm going to mark that down. I could see the Dolphins doing something like that, and maybe the Raiders pulling that off. That's kind of a been in the back of my mind brewing a little bit. It'd be nice, but Bailey's receiver. Um, he 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 fits the uh, height, weight, speed, Raider qualities, and he's pretty good anyway. So uh, yeah, they're going to get they're going to get up for Kevin White. You think they'd give that up for for simply Wallace and uh, swap? Well, I, I think if they my my trade scenario it involves swapping first and then Wallace included with some other picks to make it work. I don't know all the logistics behind all of that. However, I do believe if they could trade down to fourteen, pick up Mike Wallace, and then pick up a guy. Heck, let's say they took Doyle Green Beckham. At um, fourteen, I think they would. I think they would consider that um, consider that a win over just picking the one because they would have a big target, potential number one in Green Beckham. They would have Mike Wallace, who's already a proven guy, who could come in and help out right away. Um, meanwhile, for the Dolphins, they would get a, a big target that they like, uh, a guy with enough speed to stretch a defense, and. Um, and uh, a good set of hands that would uh, be a good red zone threat for Tannehill. So, I mean, that's a pipe dream. It's not going to happen because they're not going to take on – the only way they're going to take on Wallace's salary is if the NFL says, look, you're not you're not spending anywhere close to the, the, the salary floor that you have to pay, and they're going to do that. And not to mention the fact that this trade would have to happen next week because the Dolphins, if they're going to get rid of Wallace, they're not going to pay him that $3 million roster bonus. So, it's not going to happen, but it's a nice dream to have the Dolphins could move up like that using Wallace as part of a trade. Um, so but, let's yeah. do a, an, let's do an orthodox draft then. I suppose Oakland just stays there. Now that we know that you would do if you trade it up, what, what would you do if, if the uh, silver and black stay at number four? Oh, that's what I said. It's Kevin White. Okay, so the pick it, remains. It, it, the Kevin, Kevin White's going to be number four either way unless the Dolphins just rolling with Cooper instead and they moved up. But if, if the Raiders are there at four, and just plan on them being there. It's going to be Kevin White. He's he's just he he fits their mold of what they do, and would be a good pick. 
can't say I uh, I disagree with that. I, I like it. I like it a lot, actually. Uh, I'm going to go ahead at number five. I'm going to give the Redskins Danny Shelton, the aforementioned Danny Shelton. Who's at number five again? Washington. Oh, yeah. Okay. Hey, I, it's okay that you, you didn't remember that. It's been a while since they've, since they've had a first-round pick. So, and, and sadly, uh, perhaps not not for the best of reasons since it doesn't look like their quarterback is panning out, and I actually feel bad for them in that regard because they gave up a, a fortune to draft that guy. So, uh, speaking of making bad uh, decisions in the first round, uh, you have the New York Justice picks. Well, now, the rumors are going around that if, if Marcus Marietta makes it to six, that the um, the Eagles are going to trade with the Jets to get uh, Marietta. And if that happens, you can figure Nick Foles is going to um, – Nick Foles will be going to the Jets, at which point the Chad Haney-Mark Sanchez debates then become Ryan Tannehill-Nick Foles debates all over again. Uh, same – same back time, same back channel. So um, we're going to, uh, but since we're doing the regular draft, because it's the Jets, I really want to give them uh, uh, Melvin Gordon, but they're not going to do that. They're going to take uh, Marcus Marietta because they need a quarterback in the worst way. Okay. I like it. I like the fact that you kept it, uh, kept it true there. Cause it, yeah, I, I've, I've seen the rumor that there's 100% likelihood of them trading away that pick if Mario lands at number six. And it, and it works, too, because they were saying, well, the Jets made a quarterback. Well, you assume Nick Foles is going to be in on that trade. So the Jets would be getting Nick Foles and then whatever draft compensation. And then, you know, the Philadelphia Ducks reunion continues. Uh, Chicago at number seven. I live in Chicago, or suburbs of Chicago. Uh, you've seen a lot of people think that they're going to take Danny Shelton. Obviously, they can't in, in this draft because he's already off the board. And pass rusher is also a popular discussion point regarding their pick. Uh, seeing as how they have Vic Fangio in there, and Fangio for really if, perhaps oversimplifying it, but that San Francisco defense, he coast was built around Justin Smith, in my opinion. Because when he was out of there, it fell apart. So I think that they're going to go ahead and look for their their premier five-technique player, and I think they're going to take Malcolm Brown from Texas. Ooh. I think that he, player. he fits that mold. I think he's a Justin Smith-type guy. You're, fine. You're talking about a player who can be disruptive, at the five at the five tech spot, especially if they're going to be running the three four out in Chicago, and I think that a lot of people thought that you know, well, that defense is built around Patrick Willis, or it was built around Alden Smith. No, those guys were key pieces in that defense. But when Justin Smith was playing well, that's when that defense was a well oiled machine. And I think that they're going to look for a similar result with Malcolm Brown. You get to be the Atlanta Falcons. You can pretend that you're you know. Scott Pioli, uh, Thomas Dimitrov, which means that you would have to have like that that kind of that creepy uh, uh, like me, trendy hair, haircut that he yeah, has. Yeah, let me go get some hair products and I'll be right back. Um, A lot of hair product with that gentleman. Yeah. Um, the Atlanta Falcons are going to take Randy Gregory. 
I, ow, I like it. Now, I've read some stuff about him today that said what I what I liked about him was that he uses a wide variety of pass rush moves. He's not just a kind of a one-trick pony as a pass rusher. And I think that's – I like him a little more to the Falcons instead of Dante Fowler simply because uh, – I, I, I don't know if Nolan's still there, but I think if uh, – what's his name? Quinn brings in kind of that Seattle – Four three over or under whichever it is, and they have that Leo position. I think Gregory kind of fits that a little more than Fowler. Um, I don't know. I just think I think his combine, his numbers weren't as strong, and it maybe lowered his stock a little bit. But I think when they get, people go back to the tape, they're going to see Gregory as a, as a an elite top pass rusher. No, I agree, and that's a great point that Randy. People will hear Randy Gregory playing in the three four and say, well, or in the four three and say. Uh, he just doesn't have the size for it. And if you put him in that Leo position, though, and, and you get to go ahead and line him up, line him up wide like they they like to do with that that spot in that defense. Yeah, Randy Gregory fits that bill and then some. That's a great and, point. Uh, and if Miami gets Indomitian Sue, they can run that defense too as as part of the multiple facets of defense that they can run. I want to put Deion Jordan or Olivier Vernon in the Leo. Oh yeah, oh man! Especially DeAndre. Can you imagine what? How is it that we're we're just these commoners who just like this team and we come up with these ideas? And you can't help but think that that would help the team. I'm sure Kevin Cole would be like, "Nah, it's a terrible idea." Why do I look so much like Tony Sperano? All right, so uh, at uh, number nine, this is a tough one. The, the Giants are always always tough to to get a handle on in terms of draft picks because everyone always wants to give them a linebacker or an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman, and they're capable of taking any of those positions, so they'll surprise you, case in point, Odell Beckham Jr. last year. So if we're talking about these guys at number nine, the it's commonly accepted right now that they're going to take an offensive lineman. I'm going to look at that and say they're not, and I am instead going to I'm going to give them Dante Fowler out of Florida. I think I that say, I want to say I knew that's where you were going with that. Yeah, you mm-hmm. knew. You knew that it's. I've seen a lot of people giving the Giants a uh, Andrews Pete, and I like that pick. Um, even though he's a he's a finesse left tackle, and let's be honest, uh, Jonathan Martin really soured me on the finesse-type guys because we liked him when he first came in because we, we accepted the fact that he wasn't really good against the bull rush and everything. We just thought, yeah, you know, give him time, give him coaching. He's, he's a finesse guy, but it just never really came together, and then all hell broke loose. So I think that the Giants, I know, I know that they uh, are sticking with uh, JG, JPP for the time being, but I think that they, they could use some young blood on that defensive line. And as long as Tom Coughlin's there, their bread and butter is going to be what they do on the defensive line. You need right, to be. Well, I guess uh, I'm the St. Louis Rams. And how's your mustache? Uh, it's large and in charge. Um, the um, I've seen a lot of mocks giving them a first round receiver, and I'm thinking to myself, how many years are they going to keep taking receivers in the first round or really high? I don't think they're going to take a first-round receiver. Um, my boy Brian Quick kind of came on at the beginning of last year, got hurt. 
he's going to be back. He's going to step up. Uh, they might figure out how to use Tavon Austin. They may not. Who knows? But I like you and I both like Stedman Bailey, and I think he stepped up a little bit last year. Uh, they've got some pieces there. What they don't have is a quarterback. Uh, I think Brad comes out. However, there's not any quarterbacks left at, at this point, and I'm not mocking. I wouldn't mock one of those other guys to them. They also need um, Jake Long's replacement. So I'm going to go with a guy that most people probably wouldn't expect to go number 10, but I like more than others. And I'm going to say Eric Flowers to the Rams at number 10. I love that. One of the reasons I say that, uh, I was watching him at the Combine. One of the comparisons he got was Jake Long. He is a big guy, a power guy. He's got ridiculously long arms, put up like a bajillion reps of 225 with those long arms. He would work in a run-based offense. He's going to be a good pass protector. I think they would like him over some of the other guys that may be there. So that's my pick for the Rams at 10. How many reps did he have, like 37, something like unbelievable? Yeah, I think he had the – I don't know about the defenders. I think he had the most of – unless somebody on the defense got more than that, I think he had the most of any offensive or any player at the combine, I believe. See, I was a a big fan of his when he was playing – at Miami, and I liked him at the Combine, and Bleacher Report put out something about him talking about how he sucked at the Combine, and I was kind of taken aback by that because I thought that he looked really good there. What I needed to see from Eric Flowers to confirm him being a first-round left tackle I thought was uh, put in place at the Combine, at least a fringe first-round guy. I'm not saying he's like a knockout top 15, but I think he's a, a really good player, and I think he does a lot of things well. But I'm not really sure why he was getting uh, getting some, some down votes, if you will, some down marks. But it is what it is. Well, this got interesting really quick because Minnesota is going to sit at number 11, and they can they can go with uh, the best receiver on the board, which would be, for all intents and purposes, Amari Cooper. Or they could take their franchise quarterback, college teammate, and that would be Devontae Parker. That's a tough one. However, I'm going to surprise everyone. I'm going to go with Devontae Parker at number 11. I just think that I think that I understand that Bridgewater has a has a history with uh, Cooper as well. I know that um, both guys are aware of each other, but I just think that Minnesota goes with the the bigger the bigger target, the guy they perceive to be more capable of doing damage in the in the red zone. So Parker's Parker's the guy, and I understand that 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 kind of undersells a lot of. I mean, Cooper can go up and get the ball too, but I just think that Devontae Parker's a a huge target. So that's the ticket number eleven. All right. Well, I'm the Cleveland Browns at uh, twelve. So I'm going to trade down and take the first guy that's going to be in rehab. Um. <laughs> um no, if Amari Cooper's sitting there, they they have to take Amari Cooper at 12. I just don't see any way around that for any other player at this point. Um, I mean, they've got uh, – they brought in Josh McCown to play quarterback. Um, I mean, I don't know if they'll bring back Jordan Cameron or not, but they literally have no one to throw to, um, maybe by a heart line. Um, but, but, I mean – as big a fan of the heart line as we are, we've seen what, what it looks like when Brian Hartline is your number one receiver. 
I just don't think the Cleveland Browns can can go into the season with Brian Hartline or whoever they decide to bring in as their number one receiver. So yeah, they're going with Amari Cooper at twelve, or you know, in real life it'll be whoever's left. But yeah, yeah. So let's see here. Oh, actually, um, we're gonna end real quick as the selection uh, there. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and hold this up for a second because we have a very special caller right now. Please tell me that it's actually you calling in. Ass. Yes, it is. (laughs) For folks who don't know, this would be the legendary, infamous Alpha 6. I don't know about that. How are you doing tonight? Good, and you guys are doing good, too. I feel like this almost ruins it for us to to hear your voice because you just have this this thing on the site, this uh, this image, so it's almost it's almost funny to actually hear you talk. I'm, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess I guess nobody really knows the voices to all the call signs that are on the on the blog, but it's me. All the, all the inappropriate comments. That, that come out or this is the voice <laughs> behind it. So what's up? What do you want to talk about? Well, you guys are talking about the picks right now. And before you get to the dolphin pick, I think that it's going to hinge heavily on what they do with Mike Wallace. In, in terms of getting rid of him? In, yes. Whether they keep him or if they trade him or if they cut him. Um, Because I really do think that Sue is very probable that he will be a Miami Dolphin. And if that's the case, then I think it's going to hinge on them picking a wide receiver. And I think Devontae Parker will probably be there if he drops. Somebody doesn't pick what we don't think they're going to pick before, you know, the the picks before the Dolphins. And I think that's who they're going to go after. Intriguing. I think I think the, I think the Dolphins fans should realize Mike Wallace is gone. May not be this season, but he's gone. He's not he's not playing after the end of that contract. Not unless he comes back this year and just explodes and suddenly becomes a team player or some other deal like that. So he may stay this year, but the Dolphins, for whatever whatever happens this year, they need to go ahead and prepare for 2016 as being Mike Wallace-less. I agree. I agree because in, in his history, he hasn't done anything to um, put himself in a position that he's wanted. Well, uh, only you can only inflict self harm on you in terms of the spotlight so many times before the, this this type of situation creeps up with the team. It it obviously uh, took place in Pittsburgh when he was there, and now you're getting this side of it. So I mean, if you want to stay on while we'll make this pick, you can you can comment because I already know who I'm taking at number thirteen. So and I think that because New Orleans. Uh, for all intents and purposes, needs to needs to start over on defense. And I think they're going to take Shane Ray out of the University of Missouri. 
that well, guy could very well be a top ten pick too. I know, uh, not not doing much of the combine, uh, heard his stock for now. We'll, we'll see how that how that progresses over the next uh, six uh, six seven weeks leading up to the draft. But that's who I have the New Orleans Saints selecting. Well, I agree, and 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 the way that the Dolphin or the team is is wanting to get weapons for Tannehill. Tannehill is obviously going to be signed long-term, whether it's this year or the next, um, but they got to get him some weapons and people that he trusts. And I think uh, wide receiver is, is the target. Now, again, you know, that's why I think Mike Wallace is going to be gone, like you guys are saying, regardless, but because of that, I think target is at 14 is going to be a wide receiver. Yeah. Well, well, the, the pressure is on. So there are a number of players here that I, that I think could be in play for the Dolphins. Um, you've got the uh, ESPN crew favorite pick of uh, Trey Waynes. You've got um, some offensive line help, um, particularly Brendan Scherf, uh, a guy I really like. And if all things were equal, I would gladly take Sheriff at 14. However, I just don't think the Dolphins would do that. Um, well, they can really afford to do that. Although, I would just expect Lamar Miller to average seven yards of carry behind that guy just because it would happen. Um, I really like the receiver here. I'm trying to think of all the possible positions that are out there. Uh I've already done a mock draft this week, and I've had Jalen Strong uh, going to the Dolphins. So I've already put that out there, and everybody knows that's the bit I would like, along with Philip Dorsett. So I'm, for, for this exercise, I'm going to do something completely different and go a completely different route. At, of course, I, the Dolphins could also trade down here. That's a possibility. But in this mock, with the 14th pick in the 2015 NFL draft, the Miami Dolphins select Todd Gurley. From the University of Georgia. Oh wow! Uh, now, there's a couple reasons for that. Number one, it's fun to discuss. I, I don't know that it would actually happen, but I have read that they are very intrigued with him, interested in him. Um, you've got a guy in Miller, and I've been watching some some games, and, and you can just tell what a different runner he is uh, from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, but. With, you know, he he's a top caliber back. Maybe he's not worth that high of a pick in, in today's NFL, but when healthy, he's he he again is a game changer. And you know, Miami could pick up a receiver later. I'm assuming they're probably going to pick up one in free agency. Not a high profile guy, but just a guy. They're going to have some targets. Um, but yeah, it's for, for for a mock draft on on March the fifth, it's you know that's a good uh, you know, that's an interesting pick that I don't think a lot of Dolphin fans would be coming if it actually happened. I like it um, for all the reasons that you just mentioned. Plus, it gives Tannehill some pressure off, and it is a weapon on on offense. So I like that pick. I. Don't see anything I mean, wrong with it. They're going to limit Lamar Miller's carries unless he unless he can prove to them that he can be a uh, 
handle more carries. I think that was his limitation. I mean, you watch, and I was thinking about this today. I mean, a lot of stuff with with Lamar Miller, you know, he's not a bruiser. He's not overly shifty. He's not a guy that's going to make a bunch of jump cuts. What he does is when he gets the ball, he presses the line of scrimmage. He causes the linebackers to pull up. He can cut back. He's improved at picking up yards after contact. Um, he's got a little more elusive, and he's definitely got the speed to be a home run threat. Now the problem is he's getting 11 to 12 carries a game. So you bring in a guy like Todd Gurley, who can get the other 11 to 12 carries a game, and you're suddenly talking about a backfield duo Oh, and let's not forget, you know, Ryan Tannehill can run the read option. So, you know, as long as the Dolphins can get a, a decent threat on the outside, well, even if it's still Wallace, let's say they keep Wallace. You know, you've got the weapons out there. Now you've got to add in an additional threat in the running game. It opens up a lot of things, I think. I'm surprised. I agree. I, I don't have any qualms with that pick at all. I it would be exciting. It would be an exciting offense to, to watch, um, especially um, like you were saying, um, if they go in the next round uh, wide receiver, um, there's still going to be plenty to pick from, and I think it's a it's a good deal. Good pick. We've got a, about two minutes left. I mean, we really filled up this, uh, this time slot, no problem. I, I'm Alpha, I really don't know what to say. I'm glad you decided to call in. I didn't think you were going to do it. <laughs> well, yeah, it. I, it was getting it was getting close to the closing time, and I thought, well, I better get on here now. I, I, I had taken another phone call from a friend, and so it put me behind the ball a little bit. But uh, that's okay. We got into the into the uh, draft picks, and I got to hear uh, who you selected, and it was it was excellent. Yeah. Uh, we're we're glad you called in. Uh, just before before we you go and before we close this down, how certain are you that the the Dolphins will land in Dominicans too? Um, there was a previous caller and, and he mentioned all of the uh, perks, uh, endorsements, and um, fame and all that kind of good stuff. And I agree. Um, I think he's he his uh, camp is probably trying to work a deal to stay with Detroit. That's where he's comfortable. That's where his home is and all that kind of good stuff. But I think he would welcome the sunshine, a, a new start, <clears throat> definitely the money. Um, um, I just I just have that feeling. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, talk about which teams are interested in him, uh, but it always comes back to of the Dolphins. The Dolphins are the forefront. The Dolphins um, are, I don't know, the, the selection for him, uh, the selection um, overall, I guess. I don't know. I just feel that uh, some of the rumors that are more positive <clears throat> that he's going to be with Miami um, are more than they are on the negative side that he's going to either stay in Detroit or go somewhere else. Well, for the longest time, we heard that he didn't want to stay in Detroit, but he wanted to play in New York. And you just think, like, well, does that mean he wants to play with the Jets? I mean, the Giants have some really good pieces moving forward here. I mean, it's definitely looking up for them, especially because everyone's really into what Ben McAdoo was able to do for them on offense. 
last year. So it, it'll it'll remain to be seen, and it's going to be interesting. What is that? Uh, that's funny. So, well, we're at the we're at the uh, the closing point here. We've we've made it past ninety minutes now. So, uh, I'd like to thank right everyone on. for uh, helping us make a a great show. I thought, Alfred, sure. thank you so much, so much for calling in. Thank hey. you to Lewis for calling in. So uh, no problem. Thank you guys for doing it. All right. Take care, Alpha. Hey. Okay. Bye bye now. Okay. Bye. Anything you want to say, Duke, before we go ahead and call it a night? Yeah, I, I, I'm saying it's fifty percent. I'll believe it when I see it. Fifty percent. Say It's. I mean, it's it's nice to think about it. The Dolphins are going to make some cap room, which they're going to. I mean, it, it's one of those that we've gotten our hopes up before, and, and all that kind of stuff. And I can see it. I have. I can see it happen both ways. But you know, if it does happen, as long as Miami doesn't stay into it, you know, for four or five days and miss out on some other guys. If I'm Miami, I say, you know, here's my deal. You know, everything that's happening here. You, this is what you've got. You get to play next to Cam Lake. Um, all, all the perks. Take it or leave it. If you leave it, say, all right, Jared Audrey, welcome back. Go after somebody else. Do Go back, you know, what our original plan was or whatever. Go with it that way. Don't – the team should not be like, this is this is our only hope, Obi-Wan. So, you know, just yeah, go with the flow. <laughs> all right. Well, we will see what happens. And uh, we'll be here to talk about it uh, next uh, Thursday. So, James, anything you want to say before we uh, hit the uh, the dusty trail? No, I'm good, sir. You are a professional lurker because you're always there, but I don't know. <laughs> it's funny. I love it. All right, guys, thanks thanks again for helping helping me make this uh, a 90 minute show tonight and an interesting one to boot. So. Everyone listening, thank you, and we'll go ahead and see you again next Thursday. Good night. Good night, gentlemen. Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. 
most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.